This is Reverend Chuck Blair. Welcome to our weekly podcast on New Church Live. So please join me in a prayer. So Lord, thank you for this opportunity we have to be given the tools to connect as a congregation. Lord, to all those who are struggling throughout this country and throughout the world, we hold all of it up in prayer this morning. We hold all of it with tenderness, with grace, with love, and with an abiding sense that you are here with us. Thank you for your presence here today. Thank you for the opportunity we have as a congregation to share. In your name, this morning we pray. Amen. So what I want to start talking about this morning is, is the idea of return to first. It's such a big concept in, in new church theology. The idea that, that life has, is challenging, right? And we kind of like, we, we start out here in infancy and then we go through sort of a, a downward arc through a large part of our lives that can be, that can, it can be hard. I don't know what the bottom was for you, uh, but you know, there, there are these bottom moments, these wilderness times. And what happens is that we go through those wilderness times and then we cycle back to this beautiful idea of the return to first. And the return to first is literally where we are returning to what things are first. You know, what things are most important. What things really matter in the end. I love this selection from David Brooks where he's, he's talking about it in some beautiful language. I'm beginning to appreciate the wisdom that cancer patients share. We just can't know. Don't expect life to be predictable or fair beneath them. Don't try to tame, tame the situation with some feel-good lie or confident prediction. Embrace the uncertainty of this whole life-or-death deal. There's a weird clarity that comes with that embrace. There is a humility that comes with realizing you're not the glorious plans you made for your life. When the plans are upset, there's a quieter and better you beneath them. I, I love that idea. That's return to first right there. When the plans are upset, there's a quieter and better you beneath them. And those words, quieter, I think that's so important and better. It's what's underneath all that when, when all that other stuff gets stripped away. I want to say again, it's, it's real important, and I'm going to say this a number of times. New church theology, we do not believe that God kind of like inflicts this on us so that we learn a lesson. None of us would do that to our kids. None of us would wish our kids an illness just so they could learn something. God joins us with that, though. God joins us there, in that place. Not an inflicting on, but a joining with. Now, how is it that we start to move through this? Well, I, I think one of the real critical parts to, to understand, and we're going to talk about this, this today, is to really look at, look at what the way of love really is. And it's not kind of the way of love kind of as some nostalgic, uh, you know, thing. It's like, like what's, what's the, the grittiness of love? What's, what's the, the power of love? Um, Lion, the Witch, in the Wardrobe, Aslan, like, like, what's even the ferociousness of love? How does that look? And how does that look into the situations where we currently find ourselves? Well, it starts from this, and I think it's one of the most beautiful and, and sort of one of the most pivotal passages in the Bible. It goes back to Genesis, and it goes back to Genesis at the very beginning, Genesis 1. 
So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. You know, it's the idea that we are made in God's image and likeness. Listen to that carefully again. We are made in God's image and likeness. It begs the question, of course, well, what what does that mean? Like, if there's God and here we are and we're made in God's image and likeness, as New Church would say, we are finited forms of God's love. What does that exactly mean? Well, 1 John 4 is one of the most beautiful passages on it. And it's it's a beautiful set of, of, of concepts in 1 John 4. And this comes, you know, thousands of years after it's written. They're made in God's image and likeness. And here are some people who are starting this Christian church. They're trying to describe it. And these are some of the words that they use that I think are so beautiful. Dear friends. Dear friends. Like even that, folks. Dear friends. Let us love one another. And here they're talking agape. That word love there is agape, which is a self-giving love. Let us love one another. For love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Let's just look at that, you know, really look at that. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Image and likeness. You can see image and likeness right there. Whoever does not love does not know God. Because, and again, if you were all here, if you were all in the audience, I'd be like, let's say that together, but I'll read it. Because God is love. That is one of the most significant formulations in the whole Bible. Because God is love. If we love one another, God lives in us. And his love is made complete in us. That idea of completion, that idea of of God's love, that, that we are here to as best we can reflect that love, that we are to bring that love that is in us, the image and likeness that we are made in. Please listen carefully that image and likeness that we are made in, that we are to bring that to completion as best we can. Now, it's it's so obvious, folks, that that we don't do that perfectly. But that's the whole point of creation. That's the the point of the return to first. Here's a piece that Emanuel Swedenborg talked about it from the book Heaven and Hell. Heaven bears witness to the fact that the divine nature that comes from the Lord, and I could add which is love, affects angels and constitutes heaven is love. In fact, all the people there, in other words, angels, are forms of love and thoughtfulness. I love that idea of being a form of love and thoughtfulness. We we do know that deeply. I think as well, we we saw it this week. I love the story Angela shared, and and that's a big deal. Like, you know, we, we had a parishioner who owns a business, he makes disinfecting wipes, and, you know, talk about the industry to be in at this time. And he saw fit to reach out and say, how can I give some of this away? How can I give? How can I share? Like, that's, that's the question. And that's the question that is born of love that actually brings us closer back to who we actually are, that return to first. Now, here's the challenge. We're made in God's image and likeness. God is love. We are love at our core. Now, of course, I know we got a lot of people at home. Does that make life easy? Yes or no? No. It doesn't always make life easy. 
It's too easy to kind of, I think, look at that love and then just, just think, well, in a, in a weird way, this is hard to explain. It kind of gets us off the hook and we can just kind of exist out there in a detached way. But that's not how God's love comes to completion. It's not how the true connections are made. Because this is kind of, the, and I say this with a smile, but I think we know it's really true. This is kind of the flip of the coin. Every love carries with it a fear and an anguish. That's a piece of New Church theology there as well. And here's the hard part. The greater the love, I think, maybe can create the greater fear and the greater anguish. Now, how do you know the difference between good fear and bad fear? About the only thing I can come up with is bad fear is stupid. You know, you kind of know what it is. You know when you see it. You know when you're experiencing it. Like uh, uh, a bad fear to me is, uh, you know, fear. I'll just use a silly one because we all know, you know, that we're all going to run out of toilet paper. We're not all going to run out of toilet paper. That's a bad fear per se. But but there are good fears that come out of a time like this. There, there's, and I don't mean good like like God celebrates them. I just think it's inevitable. Because we love as people, as human beings, we love deeply. So, of course, there's fear and anguish right on the other side of that. I think about, you know, where that shows up for people. And I, I definitely see it happening with people around loved ones. I hear that a lot. A lot of you are carrying that with you right now. I hear as well a fear and an anguish over things that people have built, people who've, who've spent a lifetime building a a, a small business or building something, and all of a sudden, like, they're wondering, will it be there when all this is through? That's a fear and an anguish. And it's important to remember that that fear and anguish is actually a sign of love, actually born of love. So I want us to have a chance just to say this. So so here's a question. We're going to put a 60-second timer up here. Where did your grief show up this week? Please, no politics. No, no, any of that. Where did your grief show up this week? You know, where was there something that's like, yeah, you know what? I'm really grieving this, this week. So we're going to put a 60 second timer up. Please feel free to text me. You can text me at 215-740-3662. So we'll take 60 seconds and do that.
Boy, folks, a lot of answers coming in, and I'm going to read some of these, and just as a way that we, we, we can share it, just so we understand that there's grief. And I don't want you to hear this stuff and hear it just as grief. I, I want you to hear that there's, there's clearly a love on the other side of it. It's really important. I want you to hear this grief, and a lot of these are very heartfelt, and, and just to hear the love that's on the other side. All right, there's, I'm never going to be able to read all these because we have too many, but I'll try to go through a few. I think enjoying the day-to-day things. My grief showed up twice when my parents came to visit my kids and they talked to each other through a closed window. And the second, when I, pick up, when I went to pick up my son's laptop from school, I surprised at how sad I got, but realized grieving was the normalcy that I took all for granted. Grieving about not being with the two people I love the most medical personnel. We're going to have a prayer service, by the way, for those folks tonight. Sadness surrounded the panicked, fearful folks who in their fear have depleted the necessary things we all need. Grieving the loss of simple connection. I had a meltdown when a song came on that reminded me of my mama's passing last June. Grief in knowing that some loved ones are alone during this time. Separation from quarantined children. My grief showed up this morning by having to inform nearly 2,000 people they were out of work. It's powerful. Quinn missed the St. Francis Festival at her school, being separated from my kids. Uh... not being able to engage with family, visitors banned from the hospital, and I had a dying patient. Hearing about a dear friend having to go into hospice, my heart breaks for the couple. My grief showed up in being so very isolated from everyone. After my husband had left me, struggled with being alone. and craving the routine and busyness of life. My brother was put into a psychiatric facility the fights between my kids who have been too cooped up and need to get more space, missing our grandchildren, family. When I realized that Rachel would not get to take her cross-country road trip, she had been planning for months with her cousin. And there's many, many more I could read there, folks. Uh, you know, just thank you. Thank you. Beautiful ones there. That's, that's the challenge, right? And so, like, here's the love, and it's, it's this deep embedded love. And that love grieves greatly when it sees things as, as, as small as a child not being able to go to do something that they were looking forward to doing or to laying off a couple of thousand people. Like, both of those are grief that point back to a love, but it's that pointing back to that love does not assuage the grief. The grief is very real and very true. And as are the fears. And that's where we need to kind of figure out what are the fear management tools that are going to be useful for us at a time like this. And friends, brothers, sisters, this is where, you know, God has so much to offer here. There's just so many tools. And I feel like over the next few weeks, a lot of this is just going to be scattering tools across the stage. And then you're going to pick up what actually has meaning to you, what what is actually helpful as you as you walk this journey and, and try to figure out how to move forward. 
It starts from this beautiful one. This is one, by the way, I would take a screenshot of it if you're at home. Uh, and I would strongly urge you, this is refrigerator worthy here. Love from the center of who you are. Romans 12, 9 from the Bible translation, the message. Love from the center of who you are. Some of you probably remember a number of uh, months ago we did a service where we talked about just like just soft eyes, right? We'll just practice that for a second. So let's just take a breath together. Just feel your eyes soften for a second. Let them soften. That's part of loving, loving from the center of who you are. Made in God's image and likeness. Remembering God is love. Remembering that God is love. So this loving from the center of who you are, let's talk now about how that might look in practice. What I've been doing, and some of you have sent them in, I'm going to be bugging a lot of other people to send them in to me as well, is I've been asking for videos from families, how we are getting through this, dot, dot, dot. I know we're going to even be having a video come in from, from someone who watches on occasion in Italy. And, and this is just as kind of so we can all see like how other people are doing it. And again, you'll just see little hints. This is from Mike and Michelle Robbins. This is Mike talking to us from California as he talks about how they actually are moving through this. And again, think of this as an example of just one way to love from the center of who you are. Mike Robbins. Hi there, my name is Mike Robbins, and I'm making this video from my office here in California. And I wanted to share a few thoughts about some things that I've been doing along with my wife, Michelle, and our girls and how we're trying to navigate this uh, unique and intense and bizarre experience we all find ourselves in. We've been sheltered in place here in California for the last five days, meaning we can't go anywhere. We can't really see anyone. And that's been uh, challenging. So a few things that we're doing to try to navigate through this is first and foremost, we're trying to be as real as we can with ourselves, with each other. This is hard. This is scary. This is stressful. This is not anything that any of us have ever experienced. So we're trying to be as open and authentic about that as possible. The second thing we're trying to do is to create some sense of ritual, some sense of routine for ourselves, just so we don't go crazy and we have a little bit of structure in our lives. Now, that hasn't been easy and we're still figuring it out, but coming up with a little bit of a schedule or what we want to do or what we're going to focus on and taking on some projects around the house just trying to embrace the experience as much as possible. And the third thing that we've been doing is trying, even though it's not easy, to focus on what we're grateful for. Now, I know that I'm grateful that we have a home to live in, that I have a wife and two daughters who I love and adore, that there are so many incredible people out in the world who are working hard to try to care for people who are sick and what's going on. And I notice when I focus on what I'm grateful for, it moves me into a different space personally, spiritually, and gets me in touch with the universal experience that we're all having. We're all dealing with different circumstances related to this larger circumstance. But one of the things that I know to be true and is really coming up for me, and I think all of us in this experience is we're all in this together. Thanks. Thank you, Mike. That was beautiful. And again, that's out in California where they've been having 
to shelter in place. You know, that idea, I love Mike's observations, and one that particularly struck me was, was talking about gratitude. You know, one of the most significant, I think, disciplines at a time like this. Gratitude only works if we're able to make this movement. And this is kind of the, the key part of this service, the thing I really want heard. Or at least I shouldn't say that. I should say the thing I really hope is communicated. I think gratitude is, is, is a place where we move from either or to both and. Either or, both and. Either or, not always, but a lot of the time, tends to be where ego thrives. It's where maybe the stupid fears show up. But the both and is a much more powerful and much more difficult place to be. And it's, 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 it's asking us to hold the whole thing. Folks, that's, that's kind of the, the, the mystery in so many ways of Christianity. Is, is Christianity like the hero of the whole story? You know, we're coming up on Easter, gets killed. And yes, there is resurrection, but there's also a lot of heartache. It's that ultimate of, of both and. So I'm going to share just, just a couple of ideas about, about how you can maybe think about that both and, 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 and what is, what does it matter? Well, you know, I, I think one way is just again, just, just a little bit of humor around it. Like just knowing that there's, there's no perfect way through this. So no perfect way. You know, a, a, a funny one that was shared on Facebook that I enjoyed a lot was a woman was at a store and she sees a guy and she's, he's got his whole cart like packed to the top with, with hand sanitizer, right? And so she's, I got to say something to this guy. So she goes over, she starts parading him, and the guy, guy looks at her and he goes, can I get back to stocking the shelves? That's, that's the kind of humor we need. You know, like that, that is part of this, right? There is no perfect way to do that. And that's where you need to have grace on both sides, on both sides. I love this line from a, from a Nobel Prize winning chemist. Everything we do before a pandemic will seem alarmist. Everything we do after a pandemic will seem inadequate. That's, that's like so true. And can we just sit there? Like, yep, it may feel alarmist. Yep, it may feel inadequate. Which one do we choose? Yes. <laughs> and of course it's going to be all these things. Of course it's going to be these mix. There is no perfect way through. In the second both and, the second both and, Nora McInerney, who spoke here just a few short weeks ago, she says it much better than I do. So I'm going to let Nora tell you in a video about the both and. This is from her service that she offered here just a few short weeks ago. Take a look at Nora's video here. I was an English major, um, and I tried to include this poem in uh, this talk just so everybody would know that I am deep, um, that I've read a poem. I've actually only read this middle part of this poem. Uh, but I do. I think about this poem uh, all the time. And I think about this when I think about Aaron's life, when I think about my life after Aaron. I've said a million times, and I will say it to tell the day that I die, we don't move on from the people that we love. We move forward. And their love and their death and all of the experiences that we have had with them, 
They form us into the people that we are today and the people that we will be as we move forward. I am a very different person than I was the day that I met Aaron, the day Aaron was diagnosed, the day that Aaron died, the day of Aaron's funeral. I'm a different person today than I was months ago. And that is why I love this poem so much because it is very easy when you're talking about the hard things in life to say, well, like, eh, you know, like it'll be over soon, right? Or like, well, life is hard or, but, but life is beautiful. So don't ignore that part. And that's beside the point. The point is that life is hard, but it is not just hard. And the point is that life is beautiful, but it's not always beautiful. The point is that we can let it all happen, the beauty and the terror, and that we can keep going because no feeling is final. And I do not mean that your grief will end. I mean that it will change. I mean that the way that I feel today is different than I felt yesterday and different than I felt five years ago and different than I felt seven years ago. It's different and it's not over. If you're watching, just again, thank you for that. That was, that was just beautiful. I love that idea of, you know, that the, the terror and the beauty of life coexisting. That's a both and. And for those of you familiar with the Easter story, I think it's just, it's just rife with that both and. It's interesting as well, you know, as we're coming towards Easter, there's so many beautiful proclamations in there about as, as, as the story darkens and gets hard, just this, that's also a place where we discover joy, a fullness of joy, which is interesting. Joy that I think is different from happiness and far richer and in some ways far more challenging. In this last both and, we have a, a group, sermon writing team, that continues to meet on, online, and we were just chatting about it, and this was a text from one of the people in this group, I think, that, that talks about you know, a last both and that I want to discuss here. The premise of every tragedy I've incurred in my life has taught me. Look at these two lines. These are beautiful. Together we can. Let's say that again. Together we can. And the second one. You are not alone. Together we can. And you are not alone. And that, my friends, is solved for the soul. It's forgetting to reach out that sinks us. It's forgetting to reach out that sinks us. I want to urge you to reach out. Somebody texted me from, from down, in, down in South Carolina where I was actually was supposed to be this Sunday. You know that so much of the key is about like controlling those things you can control. And one of them is that simple reaching out. That reaching out, if you're coming from a place of abundance just to connect with someone out, as well as that reaching out when you're coming from a place of depletion and you're looking to reach out as well. That's why, folks, we started up this small group program that will be starting this weekend. It's this week, excuse me. The whole point of this small group program is to connect and to serve. So the way this program will work the program is called What is Hard and What is Beautiful. It's a four-week online program. And if that interests you, you can email Angela for group information. We're going to leave that up there for a few minutes. The point of, the point of this, folks, 
is really coming down to like how do we how do we sort of collect together? I mean, I think this is really the key. God doesn't ask us to do things alone. Lord God, Savior Jesus Christ had 12 disciples. Enough said. (laughs) We need each other. We need to find that way to reach out. These small groups can do that. And it's not small groups that are just about chatting. They're, they're small groups where the hope is that you folks get an opportunity as well to just talk about a way maybe this group feels like it can serve. Again, the town hall we had last week, so many great ideas, way too many for our church to do. So it got really clear to us as we talked about this that, that the way for it to work is not for New Church Live as a big corporation to have a bunch of programs, but for New Church Live to support a bunch of groups. Think of small volunteer-led small businesses, as it were, who can figure out ways forward, ways that work, ways they can serve, ways they can connect, based on just four simple questions, which we talked about last week, but I'm going to repeat them. Based on just four simple questions. What was hard this week? You could even talk about this actually at home right now with your group, with your family around you. What was hard this week? What was beautiful? What are you hearing out there? How can we serve? Those are those small groups. And I want to also just reiterate from Angela and myself and the rest of us here at New Church Live, We will do everything we can. We will do everything in our power to be with you at this time. I want you to hear that. We will do everything we can to be with you at this time. If you are struggling, please reach out. If these groups have an appeal to you, please email Angela. Because it's so important for us to find ways to connect in community, to find a way to support each other. That really matters. That's what we're going to try to do over the next few weeks. We're going to close the service here with a meditation by Bronwyn. And as she comes up and gets ready, I also want to put an offer out there to you folks that we're going to have two other church options coming up. One is going to be tonight at 8 p.m., and you can see this on our Facebook page, we're going to have a prayer service for those who are struggling, uh, as, as well as a prayer service where we're really trying to hold caregivers. We're trying to hold medical folks who are, who are on the front lines of this. And what we're going to do, we're going to gather tonight online. What I'm going to ask you to do is just type the name of someone in your mind, a nurse, a doctor, a caregiver, and then we'll just go through, I'll do a quick prayer, and then we'll just go through and we'll say their names out loud. Just And that's going to be our prayer tonight. And then next week, we're going to be starting at 8.30 a.m. Just And it's, this is what these services are called because it's what we're going to try to do. We're going to have Monday morning services at 10.30 online, and it's just called 10 Minutes of Calm. That's it. 8.30 a.m., just 10 Minutes of Calm. And with that, we're so fortunate now to have Bronwyn, who will help again with putting us into that place of love that place of peace, and that place of calm.
want to offer this meditation inspired by Jack Cornfield. He offers it as a meditation to help transform any hard situation. I like to think of it as the knocking meditation, is what I call it. And it's about discovering wisdom and compassion within you when you're in a really hard situation. So allow yourself to sit with ease and comfort in your body. If you're comfortable, let your eyes close gently. Your posture should be relaxed and alert. Allow yourself to become aware of the centeredness of this moment. In this stillness, in the midst of this present mindful moment, allow yourself through reflection in your mind's eye to think about, to sense in any way you can, a particular situation in your life that is most difficult. Let there come into your mind's eye and into your heart the seeing, imagining, remembering of what is the most strong difficulty you face right now. As it arises, feel, sense, imagine yourself there as fully as you can. Be in the thick of that experience. What does your body feel like? Sense that. What are you saying? Who are you with? Picture, feel, imagine. Imagine this moment getting to its peak, its worst moment. Notice what it's like. All the things you are caught up with, how difficult it is, what everyone is doing and saying. In the midst of this worst moment, where it feels most difficult, all of a sudden, there is a knock at the door, or maybe the doorbell rings. Or if you're outside, maybe you see someone coming. And whoever you are with in that moment, say, excuse me, pardon me, and leave the situation entirely. You go to the door, or you see who is coming, and you notice it is an amazing being of tremendous compassion and wonderful light and wisdom. You might think of it as an angel approaching you. Let it be a being that represents compassion and wisdom appearing before you. They come to you in this place and they look at you and say, are you having a hard time? You acknowledge, yes, this is a very tough time. And they say, listen, Let's try an experiment. The the angelic presence says to you, give me your body 
And I'll take on your body and your clothes. I'll look just like you. You can be invisible for a while. Let me go in and I'll show you how I might handle this situation. So here is this angelic presence now inside of your body. You follow them back into the middle of the difficulties. Picture, sense, imagine, feel them there and notice how they handle it. What do they say or not say? What is the state of their body in the middle of it? How do they respond? Let them show you and demonstrate how one could attend to this difficulty. Finishing up, they say, excuse me a moment, pardon me to whoever they are with. They stand up and you follow them back to the place where you met, outside the door or outdoors, wherever it was. They give you back your body and they resume their luminous form. Now you're standing with this being of great compassion and wisdom. And before they leave, they reach into their robes and pull out a gift that they place into your hands. A clear symbol of just what you need to help you in these difficulties. You accept the gift and see or sense or feel what that gift might be. If it's not clear, hold it up to the light. You can see it. Before they leave you, they reach over and touch you in a healing way, maybe your shoulder, maybe a hand on your forehead. And they whisper a few words of final advice. Picture, hear, sense, or imagine What are those words of advice? Then you bow to them, you pay your respects, and you let yourself come back. You come back to this room, to your home, to the space you're in, and bring this gift of understanding with you. There's a question that comes up in this meditation, and it is, where did this compassionate person come from? They were inside of us all along. Reminds me of, uh, in the Bible, in Luke, it says that the kingdom of heaven is within us. At the end of Matthew, Jesus says, Behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And I think of Swedenborg teaching about angels. He says, Angels from the Lord lead and protect us every moment and every moment of every moment, that we are not alone. Thank you.
was beautiful, Bronwyn. Thank you very much. So, in closing, just a last prayer from me. Dear Lord, thank you for your presence here among us today. Thank you, Lord, for the opportunity we have to gather together. Thank you for that stirring of compassion in our hearts. Lord, allow us to continue despite the grief, despite the anguish, and despite the fear, to move forward, loving from the center of who we are, which is the center of who you are in us. Help us, Lord, to come from that place, soft eyes, a tender heart, a willingness to reach out, to connect, and to serve. Be with us, Lord. Amen. We're now going to close today's service. I mean, as you can tell, we, we don't have the band, but by, by the gift of video, we're going to join a last song to sort of end you up with some energy as you go into this spring day. Blessings, my friends. Thank you for listening. You can support this podcast at www.newchurchlive.tv. 